What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast here. Uh, special Saturday night recap show. A lot of lacrosse went on today. A lot of fun lacrosse today, both in the college game and in the NLL. Um, for the sake of this show, just going over the, the college game right now, um, just got done watching some NLL um, as Calgary took down Georgia in overtime, and we'll talk about that game and more on Tuesday's podcast. Uh, but just wanted to kind of go go uh, over some of these college games today because it it was a big Saturday of lacrosse, um, and it's a big Sunday as well. Uh, so I, I'll I'll start there. So <clears throat> on Sunday we have a couple big games: Notre Dame, Notre Dame and Richmond, Cornell and High Point. Syracuse and Army. Um, Air Force is looking to beat St. Bonaventure after losing to Cleveland State, and we'll talk about that one. Denver and Cleveland State play. Uh, the Vikings looking for their second win under coach Andy German. Denver absolutely um, clobbered St. Bonaventure today, uh, rebounding from that tough loss against Duke last week. Um, but the biggest, and that, that's all the, uh, the face-off classic, um, out there in Denver, those two games, last two games, I just mentioned, uh, the big ones on Sunday, obviously Notre Dame and Richmond and Syracuse and Army. Uh, if you remember, Richmond upset Notre Dame in South Bend last year. Again, this one is in South Bend. Also, Jacksonville, uh, host Robert Morris. Um, the two-time NEC champions um, heading down to the Sunshine State to take on SoCon Hopeful. SoCon champion Hopeful, I should say, um, as they're kind of sitting, from my perspective, kind of sitting on the outskirts there um, of the SoCon as maybe the third uh, best team in there with High Point. Um, maybe a, a smidge, um, a bit above them. But let's get into today's games. So, a lot of games today. Um, and a lot of big games as well, as I've, I've alluded to all week. Um, <clears throat> man, it, it was a big day. And... I want to start here. Um, I, I'm going to start here. It was a big day for the Ivy League, and, and I'm going to start there. The Ivy League had this weekend, the past two days, and I mentioned Cornell plays tomorrow again, so we'll see what they do. But the Ivy League has had a good weekend so far. On Saturday... Five Ivy League teams played. Four of which won. Cornell won yesterday. And they will play on Sunday as well as mentioned. The biggest Ivy League victory is an upset win. Princeton over Virginia. Michael Sowers 
went off again. Eight points in this one. But it wasn't all Michael Salas, man. Chris Brown, he had himself a game. Four goals, one assist for five points. Philip Robertson had four goals as well. Connor McCarthy, Alex Slusher. Slusher, man, had the last two goals of the game um, there to get himself two goals. Eric Peters was fantastic in cage, 16 saves. And the big thing about this game is that Princeton out virginia Virginia. They out Virginia, out virginia Virginia. Y'all know the style I'm talking about. Get up and down the field. Hard-nosed transition. Riding. Clearing. Playing tough in between the boxes. Playing fast. And Lars Tiffany said it after the game in his post-game remarks. He said they played the way the game is supposed to be played. And that scared us and that got us uptight, essentially, is what he said there. This is Virginia we're talking about. This is the team that's built on that kind of play. This is the team that went to the national championship last year and beat Yale because they were fast. They were physical. They played fantastic between the boxes. They rode harder than any team. That Virginia attack unit rides harder than any team I've ever seen in my life. At least over the past five, six years. Outside of Brown in 2016. That's essentially the same system. Princeton beat Virginia at their own game. Princeton's offense, man, they absolutely lit it up. And most of those opportunities, at least when they were able to break away in the third, Those opportunities came in transition. Those opportunities came off of forcing, uh, f- forcing turnovers in transition, forcing, uh, forcing Virginia to, to, to make bad passes, which led to failed clues, which led to Princeton gets the ball back quickly. So, oh, look, Michael Sowers is open right on the doorstep because Virginia is out of sync. Credit to Matt Madelon. Credit credit to uh, the coaching staff there at Princeton. They put together an absolute great game plan. Great game plan. Now, Virginia, they were able to go on a bit of a run of their own. 
and you saw Ian Laviano. He had three goals and one assist. Michael Klaus and Matt Moore each had two goals and two assists. Doc Aiken had two goals. Or should I say uh, Villanova football candidate Doc Aiken? <laughs> Doc Aiken had two goals as well. Uh, Peyton Cormier had one goal, one assist as well. Um, the Cormier more kind of two man game I, that was going. I I liked what I saw from Virginia. I really did, and Virginia played well for most of the game. For most of the game. And even when Princeton was able to get ahead in the third and really push the issue, Virginia did have an answer. Virginia had an answer. But the Tigers just ultimately pushed too hard. Virginia could not force the comeback. Um, Alex Slusher, as I mentioned, I believe he had the last two goals of the game to get Princeton the victory. Um, again, credit Matt Madelon and his and his coaching staff there at uh, Princeton. Um, I know Jim Mitchell, uh, one of the uh, additions on the coaching staff, I believe he's the offensive coordinator there. Yeah, Jim Mitchell, the offensive coordinator there now this year after uh, Pat March went to uh, Syracuse. So credit to those guys. They put together an Absolute fantastic game plan. They played their game. And, you know, this is something Princeton beating Virginia is something that wasn't. Like, I had seen people talking about it, and people had mentioned it to me, like, hey, you know, this is something that might happen. And, you know, I I wasn't necessarily going to go. I knew that Princeton played Virginia very well last year. And if you remember last year, that was Patrick Birkenshaw's coming out party. He had like, what, 18, 19 saves? Uh, something ridiculous like that against Princeton for Virginia. Now, he's at, at Penn, and they had a big win today as well. We'll talk about that later. Um, but, yeah, last year this was more so – of a defensive battle, and each team kind of beat each other at their own game last year. And, you know, this is a matchup. I would love to see this matchup every single year. These, been some, these have been some really good games over the past couple seasons. So Princeton taking down Virginia 16-12. to And um, Michael Sowers, like I mentioned, it wasn't just him. But they really did not have an answer for him. Virginia didn't uh, defensively because they would try to hone in on him. Oh, someone else is open. Uh, Double him. Oh, someone else is open. Oh, no. Where'd Michael go? Where where did he go? Oh, oh, he's on the doorstep. Oh, he just put it in the goal. Uh, That's the kind of thing that happened. He had one. I think he had a shot from a put one in uh, from his knees. Uh I think after today, you know, I was always, I, I never thought Michael Sowers wasn't Twerton worthy. I maybe thought there was absolutely no way he was going to be on that stage at the end of the year. 
I know it's February, things can change and all that. But, and I watched him against Colgate, and yes, that's Colgate. And whoever they played last weekend, because um, the Tigers are now 3-0. and And I, I, I'd watched him through those first two games, and you know, wow, look what he's doing. And I'd seen him before last year as well against Virginia, and teams of that nature. And I knew what he could do. But man, like I, he might be my favorite for the Twilton now. Earlier in the, like preseason, I was leaning Grant Ament. And I wasn't really knocking Michael Sowers. I've never knocked Michael Sowers. He's a great player, one of the best players in the country. Uh, but I think he's proven himself <laughs> to be a lock for at least a finalist. Next game we're going to talk about here is uh, another one involving an Ivy League school, as we mentioned. Princeton, Yale, Dartmouth, Harvard, and Penn all getting victories today. Uh, Brown, the only Ivy that took a loss, so I think the the other uh, seven teams are looking, uh, six teams are looking at Brown. Uh, Go funny today, saying, you know, come on, you messed up our perfect past uh, past day. Past 24 hours, you messed it up. What if I told you that Penn State and Yale, so Yale wins 12 to 10. If I told you that, you'd believe it. What if I told you it was a defensive battle? Would you believe that? Because it was for a good part of this game. Um, it was a defensive battle for, for a good portion of this game. Yale and Penn State was a defensive battle. Penn State's defense, and this hasn't really been mentioned a lot yet, but Penn State's defense, look at the first three games last year. Look at the first three games this year. And I know, I know, I know. They blasted teams early last year. They've blasted teams early this year. Their defense, look at their defensive efficiency and all of that. Shout out to my man, Lax, uh, lacrosse reference. Things uh, at Lax reference on Twitter. Uh, Lax reference, lacrosse reference.com. Does a good job with all those uh, kind of intricate stats. He's actually pointed out that Penn State's defense has been the most improved defense, effic- efficiency wise, I believe. From this year, from last year to this year, makes sense. They had a lot of young guys last year. They've stepped up. You lose Chris Sabia, you still got Colby Kinesis, which is a Colby Kinesis, an All American caliber goalie. But uh, this one was a defensive battle for a good portion. At the end of the first. It was 2-1, to one, Yale. 2-1 Yale at the end of the first. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? But um, in the second is really where Yale went off. They got ahead 6-1. to one. They just absolutely blew, blew the doors off. You no, know, unleash the dog. Who let the dogs out? Go get them. 
Um, the Bulldogs just went rampant. They went rampant. They absolutely burned Penn State in the second quarter. The Penn State was able to answer, and it was just six to three at the half. So that's a three-goal deficit. That it's nothing. To, nothing to sneeze at. Nothing to sneeze at. Nothing to sniff at. Whatever. But then Yale gets up again. Seven to three right out the gate in the third. And you're thinking kind of okay. Yale's gonna go on another uh run here. They don't. Penn State does. The Nittany turns out the Nittany Lions were just hibernating. They come out of hibernation a bit there. Is a Nittany Lion even a thing? Like, can someone answer that for me? Because I don't mean... It's like a bear... Well, bear cat... A bear cat technically is an animal. I know people say it's not, but... Look it up. It's a nickname of an animal. But is a Nittany Lion actually a thing? Like, can someone please look that up for me? <laughs> so I can stop doing these animal references... Uh, for something that might not even be an animal. Um... Penn State goes on a run. They get it to seven to six. They're down seven to three early in the third. They get it to seven to six, heading into the fourth and final period of play. Then you know that back and forth kind of play we saw last year from them. You no, know, like it's two fighters feeling each other out. That's what we saw late. In the game. But. Yale was able to pull off another run. Late in the game. To finish it off. And get the win. Penn State was able. To kind of. Pull back. And with like. With like 20 seconds left. You thought okay there's still a chance for Penn State to win this thing. Because. Look, man, they only lost this game. Look, y'all, they only lost this game 12 to 10. They only lost this game 12 to 10. It's a two-goal loss. Penn State just could not overcome that big second quarter run by the Bulldogs. Yale was led by Jackson Morrill with two goals, one with one goal to assist. Uh, Christian Klopp, Coop, uh, Matt Brandau, and Matt Gaudette each had two goals as well. Uh, Glenn Ament had six points for Penn State, one goal, five assists. Um, Brody Wilson made eight saves for Yale. Colby Kanish with sixteen for Penn State. I mean, I, I, you know, I haven't been able, I haven't really been able to watch a ton of Yale. This year, until now, um, I knew I knew that Jack Starr wasn't starting for them. Um, I, I don't really know exactly what happened there, but he's not starting for Yale this year. And if you remember, he was a really good goalie past couple of years. Heck, he's the reason they won that national championship. To be honest, like. His goalie play was humongous in 
that championship game against Duke, and what was it, the um, semifinal game, who they play in the semis, uh, Maryland, I want to say? Maryland, was it? But he was huge on the stretch as a freshman, and he proved himself again last year as a sophomore, so, uh, but, uh, the senior Brody Wilson getting his getting his shot here at in that at Yale. Now moving on to this uh, next game here. Penn fourteen, Duke eleven. This is one on. So this one was not um, broadcast in any way. Um, well, they did a live stat thing, but the, you could not watch this game. This was. A neutral site game. Um, Penn has now beaten Duke in two um, of the past three seasons. They won in 2018 and won in 2020 now. So uh, Duke and Penn in this one. Penn getting the win 14-11. And honestly, it could have gone Duke's way. Um, It could have gone either team's way, the way this one went. Um, <clears throat> now, Penn did not have Sam Hanley. He is out due to a spleen injury. Could be multiple weeks, they say. Penn was able to surge to a 16-2 vict- uh, lead early in the second. But uh, Duke finally got things running late in that second period, and they made it a 6-5 to five game at half. So Duke, Duke again continuing to show they can go on these quick runs and get back into games. They've shown that in every single game this season, that they have the ability to go on these quick little runs, get back in games when they're down, get up when they're down. You saw it in their loss against Air Force. You saw it, um, well, and that was the first game of the season you saw it. Um, also, you know, Duke is without Joe Robertson, so I wonder, you know, and this is, and I mentioned Sam Hanley's out. They both have two prime offensive pieces out. I wonder what this game would have been for either side if they would have had those guys in this game. But with those guys being out, they were able to kind of show, um, some depth, and I think Penn showed they have maybe not better depth because I think Duke, Duke has some younger depth. Uh, you saw Dyson Williams and Owen Caputo both getting in there as well. So we'll see uh, how, how how things go there. Uh, Caputo had a hat trick. Um, Manown and Williams each had two goals for Duke as well. Um, Sean Lowy had six goals, one assist for Penn. Uh, ben Bednard and Adam Goldner each had two goals. Now, Penn in this one was able to uh, explode late in the game and get that run. They had uh, four straight to end the game. Also, and a big piece of this was and I, I didn't mention this with Yale because it wasn't as much of a phase. You know how T.D. Irwin really just took over? He didn't 
against Penn State in the tournament last year, he didn't do that. Kyle Gallagher took over against Penn. And that was a big piece for them going on some of these big runs to help them get ahead early and to get this win. Kyle Gallagher, 17 of 29 at the faceoff dot. Um, big piece of the win there. Pat, Patrick Bogenshaw, the transfer from Virginia, who just mentioned uh, just mentioned him a bit of a bit ago, had seven saves. Turner Upgren with 13 saves for Duke. Now, these next two games aren't as... Well, so Harvard upsets UMass. Um, I believe UMass was number 19 in the country, I want to say. Um, I know U.S. lacrosse had them ranked still. Um, inside lacrosse, the media poll did not have them ranked. Um, the U.S. ILA poll... Not yeah, that has not come out yet. Um, so UMass was receiving votes in the inside lacrosse poll. They were number nineteen in the U.S. lacrosse uh, magazine poll. So UMass was a ranked team in at least one poll, and uh, Harvard. So I guess you can call that an upset. Harvard gets their first win in the Jerry Byrne era, um, and UMass uh, is. Many of you all may know Jerry Byrne is a UMass alum, so he goes into Amherst and beats his alma mater to get his first win as a head coach. Um, I, I caught the tail end of this one. I was at the Bellarmine and Boston U game. I'll talk about Boston U in a minute. They have the best Ellison tandem tandem in the country, and I'll talk about that in a minute here. We get done with all this Ivy League stuff, but <laughs> Harvard, man, you know the one thing that Harvard has had over the past couple of years is a lot of young talent, especially offensively. They've had good offensive talent, but the defense is really where things have needed work. They've needed work on the offensive, on the defensive end, right? Kyle Anderson, Austin Madronic, man. I watched him last year with the Clemson. And then over the summer in the Man Cup. Dude, he is... So I've seen him in box and field multiple times now. He's probably one of the most underrated players that in college across that people don't talk enough about. Um, he's, he, he played fantastic in this one. Um, Kyle Anderson had two goals and three assists. Madronic had two goals and two assists. Um, but Harvard, they got out to a 6-1 lead. Jerry Byrne, one of the best defensive minds in the game. He was the minister of defense, is what Quint Kesnick calls him. The minister of defense at Notre Dame. He shipped up to Cambridge, and he brought that defensive mindset to Harvard when I watched them in a couple uh, false scrimmages, I believe that they had one or two that were streamed. I saw improvements on the defensive end. You saw how, how, how flashy and how, how good their offense can be. Their defense showed a, a lot of promise. 
And though defense showed that, they can be good in this game. Kyle Mullen with 17 saves. Really, the biggest impact player in this game, in my opinion. And I haven't watched this full thing, so I'm going to go back and watch this. But great game for for the Clemson. Um, And as I mentioned, they got to a 6-1 lead. But they let UMass come back. They tied it up at 9-9 with 8.53 in the game. Um, Harvard is able to get the win. With Nick Loring, uh game winner, about 2.18 left in the game when they scored that. So big one for the Clemson beating UMass, which is a team that they've... UMass is a program that I've always had a lot of respect for. I think a lot of people do have a lot of respect for them because they are not... When you think of Duke, when you think of of of... of Maryland, when you think of Notre Dame, Syracuse, like these are schools that are really good in lacrosse, but they're also really good in other areas as well. UMass is not outside of the John Calipari era. What have they, in a couple runs, other runs in basketball, what have they done? And anything besides lacrosse and hockey, not much. Not much. So their athletic department overall is not really viewed as a um, as maybe a healthy one. I don't want to say healthy, but not. It's not viewed as one that people want to be. You know, it's not Alabama per se, right? It's not Virginia. It's not Duke. But they've been able to year in year out on the lacrosse field, put together quality teams. They play that guerrilla style. And, you know, right now, from what I've seen, I think UMass has the chance. If, you know, I, I like Delaware in the CAA. I, I, I've said that since the fall. But I think UMass has a chance to win the CAA. Um, they have some really good depth. They have some, they have some young pieces on that offense. but And deep on offense. But... They do have to replace. Um, they've, you know, they they lost Sean Scannoni and um, what's his name, Isaac Papalo at the LSM slot. So losing those two guys is never easy. Um, in UMass, they dropped their game to Harvard. The Dartmouth Big Green. People make fun of Dartmouth because they're bad. They've never really been good. Outside of Rick Soul, Rick Soul has brought Harvard, has brought Harvard to areas. Uh, he took Harvard to the uh, excuse me Dartmouth. Rick Soul took Dartmouth to an NCAA tournament. That was I don't even know when that was. That was because he was at Navy for what five six years. Uh, he was at Stony Brook as well. I mean, that's been some time. The Dartmouth Big Green <clears throat> have started 2-0 in 2020. It's the first time that has happened since 2012. Congratulations to the Big Green. 
coach Brendan Callahan and his staff there. They've done a tremendous job. It's not an easy place to recruit to. The academic requirements, being up there in the cold in the middle of New Hampshire, not many people want to be up there. But they have had some success this year. Already beating Merrimack last week and beating Bryant this week. Their win over Bryant is their first in program history. Which, when I heard that, I was kind of like, wait, what? But then you remember Bryant didn't come up to Division I until 2009. George Prince with two goals and two assists. Ben Martin with three goals and one assist. And Matt Paul with three goals to lead the way for the Big Green, Daniel Hicks, 10 saves in cage. Uh, Dartmouth was down significantly. 8-5 to five game, 8-5 to five Bryant lead with 10 minutes left in the game. Dartmouth goes on a six-goal run, gets the victory. Congrats to uh, the Big Green, Coach Callahan, his staff, the players up there. Uh, you know, also shout-out to... Uh, now I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky native. Henry Stites, sophomore attackman up there uh, for the Big Green. Big shout-out to him as well um, and that whole program. Uh, George Prince, you haven't seen this kid play. Go see this kid play. Um, he's, he's, he's pretty good, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, he got 13 points already uh, through two games for... Uh, Dartmouth. Now, what? <clears throat> last Ivy League thing here, and then we'll get off this Ivy League horse here. Um, soapbox, whatever you want to call it. Stony Brook 11, Brown 10. <clears throat> this is one. It was pretty close all game. And the, the I feel like Stony Brook Brown is always a game. That I, I don't know why. I feel like that's always a game, or a game like that is always a pretty close one. And it, it was pretty close all game long. Um, it goes into overtime, and it was about to go into a second overtime. But K- Caleb Parson scores with 30.5 seconds left on the clock to secure the win for the Sea Wolves. Stony Brook is now 2-1. That is the second win for, for first-year head coach Anthony Gallardi and the second overtime victory as well. Uh, Stony Brook walking like the kings of overtime wins here. Uh, this win comes after they lost to Fairfield 16-18 to last week um, but beat St. Jo- St. John's. 13 to 12 in overtime last Tuesday. I guess two Tuesdays ago. Um, last week's Tuesday, not this week's Tuesday. Some of the games we have to talk about here <clears throat> that went down finally outside of the Ivy League now. Um, so Loyola beats Rutgers 11 to 10. This is one uh, Joey Kamish. Joey and Brennan Kamish, um, 
I believe they're related to both Midwest guys, both Michigan guys, um, <clears throat> playing against each other. I believe they're brothers, um, playing against each other. Um, Joey Kamish with the game winner for the Greyhounds. This is one where... So, I saw the scoreline of this game, and I was thinking, man, Rutgers must be, like, I don't know what, like, Quinnipiac and whoever it was they played, uh, St. John's. I was like, man, Quinnipiac and St. John's must be just absolutely um, terrible for Rutgers to, to go on runs against those teams like they did um, and then lose this game like this, man, because they were getting killed. It's seven to three at half. Um, but Rutgers rallies back. They they, they tie the thing up at ten ten. It's ten ten. Um, one minute fifty three seconds left in the game, and Joey Kamish with the game winner for the Greyhounds. Um, Loyola not looking too shabby. I know a lot of people were kind of worried. No Pat Spencer. What are we gonna do? No, they're not looking too bad right now. They have wins over Johns Hopkins and over Rutgers. Rivalry game next against Towson, which will be on Tuesday. Excited for that one. Other games around the country here we had. So, um... Cleveland State and Merrimack both had first wins this year, uh, this weekend as well. Cleveland State, they get their first win in the Andy German era. A big win for the Vikings. They upset Air Force, who upset Duke in week one or week zero. The Vikings, big win for them. It was a 12 to 11 overtime victory. First year head coach Andy German getting his first win there. It was behind a seven goal performance from Tristan Hanna. Um, absolutely stellar performance from that young man to lead the Vikings to victory. Um, we saw how good Air Force's defense can be in their past couple of games. And I, I don't know if it's what Utah did to a man, but. The Falcons haven't looked exactly the same since week one, week two. I mean, they played Denver very, very good. Utah played them close, though. Utah, like, I I, I honestly think that Utah game took a bit out of them because Utah, and if you didn't watch that one, you should go back. It's free to watch on the uh, Utah's website uh, or was on the Pac-12 Network's um, stream site, but it's free. So you don't have to have the Pac-12 Network um, like you did last year. So big one for the Vikings. But Utah, like, took it. They took, they took Air Force the distance. And I'm wondering if that took a bit out of them as they lose to Cleveland State. We also had Merrimack. Get their first Division One win as they took down Michigan, the Michigan Wolverines. Everybody's 
underdog. Everyone's sleeping giant. Next big thing in the Big Ten. Am I right? Kevin Connolly. He's got the he's got the John Tillman blueprint. Michigan, they got all this all these new facilities. They've got all these good recruits. Merrimack, and, and Michigan had been looking good. I'm not making fun of Michigan. Michigan is on the rise, don't get me wrong. Merrimack had come in. They had lost, what was it, three games in a row. Charlie Bertrand had drops, drops a five spot in this game, gets the Warriors their first Division I victory. This is a close one. Merrimack just pulls away late in the game. Big win um, for Merrimack. Congrats to <clears throat> the former Division II champions and uh, two-time Division Division II uh, champions and head coach Mike Morgan on that one. Charlie Botron. Um, y'all, if y'all ain't seen Charlie Botron play, go watch Charlie Botron play. You will not regret it. Last game. Here, well, I'll, I'll talk about a couple more, um, including this one, but not too in-depth. Um, North Carolina, 17, Johns Hopkins, 10. Uh, Chris Gray, man, I mean, yeah, we talked about him week one. We talked about all that stuff, but about what he did week one. Dude had eight goals, man. Dude had eight goals, one assist. Against Hopkins. And I will say this. Johns Hopkins does not impress me one bit. Based on what they're supposed to be, they don't impress me one bit. I watched them against Loyola. I watched a bit of this game. I watched the Towson game. I am not that impressed with Johns Hopkins. And I know a lot of people feel that way. I know Hopkins is supposed to be put up on this pedestal, and you no, know, it, it it's a and I, I hate to mention this, but and this is what I call Navy all the time. It's like Nebraska football. It honestly is like it's getting to that point, and I think I think once they get a healthy uh, a one hundred percent healthy Joey Epstein because he played in this game. Um, I, think they, I think once they get a 100% healthy Joey Epstein, things will start rolling again for them. They're 1-2 right now. And, you know, last year, this was a really, really good game. Hopkins and UNC. And what a lot of things were last year is kind of like Hopkins and UNC were those two teams, at least from my memory, that were kind of sitting on the outskirts of... Are they a top 10? Or, like, it could go either way because of kind of some of the youth they had on the team. It could go either way if they're a top 10 team or they're, you know, they could win the national championship or they could miss the tournament. Like, it was that razor thin. I think Hopkins is a better team this year than they have been in the past. But some of these injuries have certainly um, not helped them at all. And then they lost a uh, defenseman who um, left the program. Um, cannot remember his name right now, but he apparently was not getting enough running in fall ball, so uh, left the program there. Um, his name escapes me. I'm trying to think of it. Oh well. Um, 
it'll come to me, like, randomly as we're doing this podcast, but, so, another good one for Chris Gray and UNC. See some other games here to kind of mention Villanova beats Hofstra 10-8. to Hofstra is, two teams I'm going to talk about here, Hofstra is quietly a good team this year. Ryan Tierney is quietly the best shooter in the country. Maybe not the best shooter, but Ryan Tierney is quietly putting up a pretty good senior season for Hofstra. Is he a senior? Let's see that. Let's click on the roster right here. I believe he is. Coach Tierney's son, Seth Tierney. So, yeah, he's a senior. The nephew, a great nephew of the great Bill Tierney. Other games here to mention, Albany beat Drexel 14-13. to Always a pretty decent one between those two teams. Uh, Drexel, I think, is a... No... Uh, I think Drexel's another team that you can kind of look at and see, hey, they could possibly make some noise in the CAA, CAA this year. Uh, they made it to the CAA. They crashed the party last year, actually, uh, beating UMass and then um, lost to Towson. Uh, but gave Towson a run for their money um, in the CAA final. They got a couple good guys there. Matthew Varian, Colin Mailman, uh, Jeremiah Cota at the uh, faceoff dot. Albany, obviously, with uh, Nana Coke and them boys up there in Albany. Um, always good to see them getting uh, back on track. Uh, Albany was one of the most fun teams to watch over the past couple of years, but they've kind of dropped off a bit. Uh, they do have Isaiah Skittles this year. I wonder how I've been able to watch Albany at all. Um, you know, they had a couple good freshmen that were supposedly going to be really good. Isaiah Skittles has not seen the or according to this, he has not registered a point yet this year. It does not look like. Uh, Dehoka has played some very good lacrosse. He had six points in this one, four and two. Uh, it was just that one there. Uh, Jacob Patterson, the Arizona native. Uh, putting up some good numbers as a senior. Uh, Corey Yonker, a sophomore attackman. Playing very good for uh, the Danes as well. Now, back to a team I mentioned. Uh, Bucknell. Bucknell. Bucknell put up a pretty good performance in week one against Furman and kind of... It's Furman. I'll, I'll give you all that. And some people were kind of looking at it like, okay, they won 16-9. Uh, they put up some good numbers. Let's see, let's see how they do. Uh, they beat Bryant 11-9. And they beat Sacred Heart 14-11. I went back and looked. It's the first time in about five, six years they've had double-digit wins. Three wins. Gone, started 3-0 and had double digits in all three of the games, all three of their first games um, to start the season. Uh, now they lose 15-11 to against Ohio State on Saturday, and 
This is one, honestly, and I, I was kind of following this on Twitter. Um, it could have gone either way from what the box score shows from some of you just If you were just following it on Twitter, you're like, okay, oh, Bucknell's coming back into it, right? Ohio State. At the end of the day, Ohio State's the better team, um, obviously, and they that, that showed. Uh, that really got them over the hump in this one. But Bucknell gave them a run for their money, so uh, definitely just wanted to mention the Bison, and uh, y'all need to be watching out for the Bison. Um, Ohio State bouncing back after an upset loss against UMass last weekend. I believe Ohio State is currently ranked um, like 16th, 17th, somewhere in that area. Now, um, <clears throat> what I mentioned earlier about Boston U, I do want to mention this, and I, this is what I'm going to end with. So I was at the Bellarmine-Boston U game, which is about 15 minutes from where I live. Here in Louisville, Kentucky. <clears throat> um, first off, I just want to say this. This, so Boston U wins 17 to 11. It was a much better than, <laughs> it was a much better game than the scoreline would have you think. You know, there's sometimes when you have close scorelines and you say this was a worse game than the score, than the final score would have you think. And this is the opposite of that when it's, it looks like, you know, 17 to 11, what's that one? 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. That's a six-goal loss. So maybe to some you say that's a bad loss or a, a blowout loss even. I wouldn't call that a, a necessarily a blowout, especially in a game like lacrosse where you can come back, you know, at any time. I've, I've seen five-goal comebacks in a minute. I'm not joking. Um. Win the face-off, goal. Win the face-off, goal. Win the face-off, goal. Um, <laughs> you got 30 seconds left. You're down two. Um, I've, I've seen it happen once or twice. Now, college level, no. Is that the high school level? Yes. College level, could you do that? Possibly. <clears throat> and Bellman was able to kind of come back late in this one. Um, and look, it was, <clears throat> it wasn't, it was a close game in the first. Like, I believe it was just like a two-goal game <clears throat> in the first quarter. And Boston, you kind of late in the second, really, really got going. Um, and there were, t- <laughs> there were two penalties um, and the Bellman fans let you know that they did not approve of those penalties. And, like, and Allison on the press box, and you even had some of the BU people were like, yeah, that's uh, eh, probably not a penalty there. Um, so you did have that. So it was 12-5 to 5, <clears throat> Boston U at the half. It was 7-3 to 3 with a – so it was – 3-2 at the end of the first. Boston U goes on a quick run to put him ahead 7-3, kind of midway through the third. 
<clears throat> um, Bellman is able to get two back just a few minutes later there. And Terriers, I believe, is a three-something. Um, three goals under in the half. Um, two of them were man-up goals, I believe. Uh, one, completely uncovered. Um, I can't exactly remember who it was. Just puts it right through. And uh, Bellerman, no, the defensive battle in the third here, at 12-5 at the half, 13-6 at the end of the third. Uh, Bellerman's able to kind of come back a bit late in this one, but a big piece of why Boston U was able to win this game is the LSM tandem. They, and I even tweeted this, I said, <clears throat> with Lise Eddy and Chase, um, I'm going to butcher this name, uh, Levesque, Levesque, is I believe how you pronounce it. They have the best LSN tandem in the Patriot League and perhaps even the country. Them two boys getting after it. Them two boys out there doing work. They would put, they would put, um, they double pull the wings on the faceoffs. They, now, the face-off guy, I can't even remember who it was. Outstanding performance from him there. Outstanding. But then to add in there that even if they're not winning it, they're likely getting that ground ball. They're likely causing a turnover. And then Eddie and Levesque, or Levesque, I believe is how you pronounce it, <clears throat> also have a bit of offensive prowess to them. Um, able to push it, push, push transition, uh, good stick skills, passing ability. And we saw Lee Eddie was, was kind of the motor, I would say, um, to that Canisius team <clears throat> that went to the NCAA tournament, upset, you know, just absolutely set the MAC tournament on fire a few years ago. He transfers to Boston U. He's been an impact player since he stepped on, stepped on campus there. He was an impact player at Canisius. I think probably he's the more impactful one of the two, but, man, that, that LSM tandem. And I've seen it on film. I've seen it, you know, watching it on uh, live stream and on TV. But seeing it in person, man, it, it, you, can, you can just tell, you know, they, they, they win games for that club, they, uh, for that team. They win, team. They win games for, for, for the Terriers. It's a really, really good play from both of those guys that I saw today. Um, and really just kind of <clears throat> solidified with uh, what I've kind of thought over the past couple of years. But seeing it over the past year, I guess. But seeing it in person, man. It's uh it, it it's it's different level because they got they got, really got both sides of the field covered um when it comes to defensive play, push and transition. So um a lot a lot of good play from the Terriers. And even with you know, they lost James Bow to graduation. <clears throat> Chase McSorley uh, uh not Chase McSorley, 
It's a quarterback. <laughs> um, Joe McSorley in golf with him. Outstanding as well. I've always been a big uh, Joe McSorley fan, so getting to watch him in person today as well uh, was a treat. Absolutely stud in the net. Um, his demeanor, his, his like, and, and you don't really see this on film, but when you're watching live, you see his demeanor, his leadership, uh, the, the, the way he leads kind of action, actionary and, and vocally is just second to none. So um, Boston U, Coach Poley, always impressed with that coaching staff, what they've uh, been able to do. They're building that program to what it is in just a short number of years. But definitely, I believe they have the best LSM tandem in the country. That is going to do it um, for today's little college across Saturday recap. Um, as mentioned, I'll recap all the NOL games on Tuesday's podcast. Um, but I just wanted to get a lot of this out of the way here um, just because... There was so much this week. Um, as mentioned, a lot of games on, well, not a lot, but a couple games on Sunday. A couple big ones. Um, Notre Dame, Richmond, Syracuse Army being the two biggest. Cornell will also play a high point, so we'll see if um, the Ivy gets another win this weekend. Uh, as always, you can stay up to date with us. Lacrosse Bucket on at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. LacrosseBucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season. See ya.